This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Ghanem. And this is Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have an incredible show today. There's so much to talk about. There's so much happening in the world right now. We continue to be in the midst of a, I would say, life-threatening increase in the in the Corona-19 pandemic. You know, at least 40 states right now are seeing dramatic increases, and at least 10 states are close to full with their ICUs. This is at a time when the Trump administration announced yesterday on a press release that uh, one of their successes was ending the COVID pandemic. So reality... Reality and delusion are kind of colliding as we're just a few days out from the election. So for sure, we're going to be talking about the election. We're going to be talking about the pandemic. We may not have time to talk about what's happening in France. But today, breaking news, there was another attack in France that they're labeling a terrorist attack. We may or may not have time to talk about that. But France and other, and Germany and other countries right now are going back to complete 100% lockdowns right now because the COVID epidemic is so out of control. And in the middle of all that, we're still going to be covering the election. We have our Arab Talk correspondent, uh, Phil Pasquini, I guess, with us today. That's right, Jess. So Phil, uh, we spoke to Phil earlier. He is in Washington, D.C. So he's, uh, I mean, we're coming to the wire uh, only a few days to uh, to next Tuesday, November 3rd. And uh, so Phil is reporting uh, to us from the ground there, uh, and he'll report to us next week. Uh, he's reporting on the ongoing preparations to these elections. And uh, you'll hear an interesting interview, and a part of it that people in Washington, D.C., are basically preparing themselves, uh, at least business owners, uh, from wires. Let's uh, listen and watch Phil. We are less than a week away from the probably the most important elections in recent history of uh, the United States. November 3rd, probably it will take a day or two before we find out the results and joining us from Washington DC, our reporter Phil Pasquini. So, Phil, uh, there's only less than a week now to the elections. What's going on in Washington? Well, as you can see behind me, the city's getting prepared for uh, Tuesday night after the election and during the election by boarding up in order to keep vandals from destroying property. You see this all over the city, especially in the downtown area, but as far out as a couple of miles from the city center. Uh, construction crews are creating uh, barriers against uh, possible vandalism. So you think uh, people are expecting riots? Uh, does this has, uh, have anything to do with uh, statements made by Donald Trump saying that he won't concede? Uh, should he get, you know, should he lose the elections? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that helps feed the fire. You know, it's pouring gasoline on the flame. Uh, besides that, there are any number of groups who their most extreme members are interested in any kind of disruption. So I'd consider them more opportunists than, than being interested in the results of an election. It's just a, a speed bump uh, to avoid in, in order to advance their own agenda. So what we see is merchants and business people, property owners and so on, uh, beginning the, uh, the, the arrival of for the southern analogy of the of the coming uh, tempest or tornado, what what about what about the security? Uh, well, the city has been overflown by helicopters for the last week, uh, taking background readings on radiation, natural radiation levels, and biological levels. So that aspect of it's been going on. The hardening of the White House continues with the placement of traffic barriers and ten uh, foot high fences to keep people. Uh, more aligned with what can be easily considered crowd control. Uh, not unlike the uh, Bush election some years ago that we covered uh, when they created the press corrals so they could contain the press and isolate them from the people. I think we're going to see the same kind of thing up at the White House on Tuesday night. So generally speaking, people are very nervous about what's going on, uh, anticipating the worst, but not knowing 
what to expect. Right now, I'm at DuPont Circle. Uh, behind me is the Ampere Hotel. They've been preparing uh, for the last uh, several hours. Uh, farther down the street, closer to the White House, you see the same thing going on with commercial buildings, as I said. Uh, jewelry stores and such are removing anything in the windows uh, and stashing things away to prevent any uh, looting and so forth. I see you wearing your uh, reporter's badge. Does this help you getting closer to the White House or is it uh, like a fortress now? Um, it's a double-edged sword. I can get closer to the White House, but I also become, as all reporters are, a target for anybody that's upset with the press for any reason. Last night I was accosted at the White House of Black Lives Matter by two people who seem to think they own the street at night. Uh, much to their disconsternation, they found out very quickly from Secret Service that they don't. So I was able to take a few photographs, but I didn't want to press uh, the issue too far, if you follow me. So are you, I mean, I, I mean, are you saying that uh, people are now hostile uh, to, to reporters? I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I guess people who support the presidents don't like what they call the fake news or the liberal media. So what group have you joined? <laughs> uh, who knows? You know, the ones with cameras are always the enemy. Uh, they're not discriminating about who's who in the press. They just don't like the press at all. They don't want their pictures taken. Um, I don't ever try to argue the fact that if you're in a public space, you have no uh, reason to believe that you have any privacy. It's just what it is. If you don't like it, stay at home is the basic theory. Uh, but what we find is that people are becoming hostile. Uh, emotions are rising. Um, I haven't seen much division uh, other than covering the Supreme Court and the Amy Coney Barrett uh, confirmation, which is a rubber stamp process, where initially last a week ago uh, on Monday, they kept the two sides, that's pro and anti-abortion, sides apart. Uh, by the end of the week, they were allowing them to mix. And mostly the worst thing that was happening was people were screaming and swearing at one another. There were no physical altercations, but it too was over-policed. Right now, I've seen now the third police car go by here in the last five minutes since we've been talking. So uh, there's obviously an increase in the uh, police presence. And I think that dispels a couple of things. One, that the notion that people are going to be abandoned uh, quickly diminishes. And then other people feel like they're being over-policed and would rather see no cops at all if you follow my line of uh, reasoning. Well, I mean, uh, Washington is not, uh, I guess you can't measure the public opinion uh, in the United States uh, from Washington, D.C., but at least when you're there, what are you getting from people who, who you are interacting with as far as who's going to win the presidency? Well, I think uh, a lot of people are very optimistic, as am I, that Trump is not going to win the election, that Biden is going to be in. And we've had this stupid question, in my opinion, of asking Trump whether he's going to uh, give up easily and not fight this issue if he doesn't win. Uh, that's a non-starter for me. I mean, the, the bottom line is you don't win an election, you don't go to the White House. That's the end of the story. But by not uh, admitting to that and, and trying to find some legal, quote-unquote, uh, reason for not leaving, He's engendered this idea that if he loses, it's going to be a crooked election. If there's anything, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And I remember covering the election in Israel and Palestine when Hamas was elected in Gaza, and Jimmy Carter was there as an observer, that people the next day decided they wanted to change their minds. You simply can't do that in democracy. What comes down is what comes down, and you have to live with the results. So the people that I've talked to, most of them are very optimistic that Biden is going to win. In fact, last night I talked to an attorney who worked for the, the uh, Supreme Court of Virginia for a number of years. And she said yesterday was the first day that in her mind, she actually thought that Biden would win, that Trump was going to lose because of all the goofy stuff that he's been into in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully that's what's going to happen. To our listeners on KPOO, uh, the background noise that you're listening to, this is from uh, construction. Uh, people are putting, are boarding uh, window fronts uh, because uh, in preparation for some sort of demonstrations or riots. One last question before I let you go, Phil. Sure, yeah. You're an international uh, journalist. You, uh, you've traveled across the world and, and now you're in Washington, D.C. That's where you have most of the international journalists there. You're speaking to them. What's their opinion now? Because 
You know, as you know, in the United States, we lecture the world about democracy when they right. hear statements like Trump saying, you know, I don't know if I'm going to leave. I mean, what, what, what have they been telling you? Well, what we see and what they see is Fortress White House, where you have a 10-foot high fence. It's now been turned into a billboard of revolution and, and uh, civil disobedience and other issues and, and uh, uh, statements, which I feel very profoundly about that, that are good. Uh, we see them covering a U.S. election, not unlike what they would cover an election in a third world potentate uh, running for office. And I think it dispels the notion that America is this organized, perfect democracy that everybody should emulate. And if we're trying to lead by example, we're losing and have lost that in the last four years by not having an election process, which is seemingly open and transparent. And they start seeing games being played, as we saw in Egypt and elsewhere in the world, when the person running for president, interestingly enough, tries to dispel the whole process uh, to the point where they try to get people not to go vote and, and beat them down so that they can prevail with the 99% turnout of the election won by votes for themselves. So I, all of this has played into the hands of the radicals in other countries, uh, the, the dictators who seem to think that uh, democracy is a joke and they look at this, what's going on in America right now is the same. I and mean, we have a White House that looks like it's under siege by people, by votes, I might add, and that the election process is somehow a fraud along with the press and everything else. And it's interesting why Donald Trump is always right and the rest of the world and everybody in it is wrong. Uh, this is just the same kind of propaganda that I've covered in elections around the world. I, I will say this, the Turkish, last Turkish election that I covered a year ago in Istanbul was interesting because people on both sides were dancing together on music. And I always say, you know, it doesn't look anything like an American election where people are so uh, implanted in camps that they can't even talk to one another. We see arguments breaking out about pro and against uh, either candidate. So uh, I think in, in summation that what we're seeing is the disillusionment of what's going on. And as they say in Arabic, America shika bika. You know what that means. <laughs> and that's exactly, unfortunately, what's happening at the present time. I have to move because I'm right in the way of the construction process now. Well, Phil, we want you to stay safe. And we will be talking to you about a week from now. And we should find out by then, hopefully, who is going to be the president of the United States. Otherwise, we are in deep trouble. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I say it's either going to be a party or a civil war or a combination of both. So hang on to your hats and we'll see what happens and vote. That's the main thing. That's the one way to dispel any dictator or person who uh, wants to take over. That's the answer. Amen. So we'll talk to you soon, right. Phil. OK, good. Thank you, Jamal. Take care. That's a journalist and Arab talk correspondent. Phil Pasquini reporting to us from D.C. A lot of activities in D.C. right now, Jamal, not only politically, but economically for everybody in the D.C. area. That's right. And, and as uh, you witnessed, Phil, uh, he was reporting from DuPont Circle. Uh, so you know how busy that uh, circle is and how international and everybody comes and goes through DuPont Circle. And uh, I apologize to some of our uh, listeners and viewers from the uh, background noise because uh, he probably wanted to demonstrate and show us how businesses at the probably the busiest intersection in Washington, D.C. are protecting themselves by boarding their, their windows because they're expecting riots. Hopefully this will not happen, but uh, that's the, basically the scene as of today in DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. But, so, but by the way, Jamal, just, just so that our listeners and viewers know, there are businesses in downtown San Francisco who are also boarding their windows and their shops in anticipation of something potentially happening. So it's just not a D.C. thing. This is something that's happening nationally and speaks to the level of anxiety and fear that people are experiencing around this election? Yeah, uh, well, the boarding in, in San Francisco is a little bit different. Uh, just that had to do with the earlier uh, people demonstrating against police uh, brutality. 
But I, I don't think that, I mean, uh, this has anything to do with the elections. Some businesses have removed uh, uh, their, uh, you know, what they've boarded up and maybe some have remained. Anyways, we are less than a week from the big day. We've been talking about it. Uh, there's few things I've been like looking at. I mean, and and then and then you and I will discuss uh, basically our predictions. We've been talking about that for <laughs> the past four years. But um, what I, I prepared a short list on what you need to know about the November third elections, which I think it's very important because there is a lot of confusion about. You know, people voting. When can you vote? Is your vote going to get counted? How long can you? How long can you wait? And whatever. So it's very important to know, like, a few facts. One, that each individual U.S. state opens and closes its polls at different times on election day. They have different kind of rules. So voting results from state, from state to state. Uh, and, and most of them, they're not reported until the final poll in, in that particular state is right. closed. Right. Right. So they, they don't like, we don't have this uniform kind of cutoff point. So, of course, you know that you are legally, everybody not allowed to cast your ballot and vote in every U.S. state as long as you are in line. This is not, we're not talking about the mail-in voting, but in line before the polls close. And that's where the problems begin, Jess. Yes. The voter suppression, intimidation, people standing. I mean, the good news is a lot of people have voted already, but if you expect long, long lines, people have to stay in that line. Technically, they cannot, even if it's past the deadline, as long as you're standing in line, they cannot tell you you cannot vote. Right? That's very important. That's where we may see some irregularities and violations there because it happened before. And so the states and counties also have different uh, procedures and timelines for processing mail ballots. They don't all follow the same thing. But most key swing states allow some level of pre-canvassing or counting of mail-ins before election day. Right. And, of course, the most important uh, concern is the battleground states like Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Ohio, North Carolina, and even Texas this year uh, all allow election officials to begin processing and or counting mail ballots prior to election day. So those are kind of the rules of the game and people have to kind of familiarize themselves with the voting and counting of the ballots processes in their own states because there is no uniform rule for the entire country. No, that's that's right, Jamal. And for example, in the state of California where we're broadcasting from, if your mail-in ballot is postmarked by November 3rd, it can be counted up to 17 days after November 3rd. So California has among the most liberal uh, and open uh, and inviting policies for people uh, to, you know, to have their vote counted. So basically, you you can, if you drop it off and it's postmarked November 3rd, you have two weeks, as opposed to some other states where they're engaged in this kind of voter suppression uh, activities where uh, if the ballot is not received on the day of November 3rd, there's no guarantee that it will be counted. And of course, the Supreme Court has made some decisions recently in Pennsylvania and North Carolina, kind of keeping open, again, if your ballot is postmarked by November 3rd, keeping the window open some number of days afterwards that your vote will be counted. This is back to the old states' rights uh you know, um, kind of dilemma that we've had in the United States since the beginning of the Union, the whole kind of struggle between federal rights and state rights. And each state, there's 50, well, actually 51, if you include the District of Columbia, There, every state has a different system for managing, controlling, and counting the ballots. And historically, Jamal, this is where the Republicans have so actively engaged in voter suppression. Um, in Texas, for example, you have a county 
where you can only have one drop-off ballot box per county. One of the counties uh, in the Houston area where Houston is, is so large, it can take an hour and a half to drive from one area, one end of the uh, county to the other. And you, there's only one place where you can drop your ballot off in a county that's, um, I think they said 17 square miles uh, large. So we shouldn't underestimate the power of the Republicans and the power of the state, the federal government, to use its state powers to suppress the vote. And I'm putting that out there because when we get to our predictions, I don't think this thing is a slam dunk next Tuesday because the voter suppression efforts still are actively being used every single day. Well, uh, we'll get to uh, we'll get to that uh, as far as the the predictions, but. Uh, I think you've said something very important. Voter suppression, also uh, the different rules, uh, creating confusion. And, and, and as everyone knows, the Trump administration and Donald Trump himself, uh, they have been casting doubt about the results and about right. the mail-in ballots. So, That's right. Uh, but most importantly, just what? I'm worried about what you're worried about, what everybody's worried about is what happens if Trump loses the election and refuses to leave the White House. That's the million dollar question, I call it. I think it's more than a million dollars. And, you know, part of that question is really good, Jamal, because my theory is no matter what happens, even if there's a landslide on the on the Democratic side, on the you know, for Biden and Harris, because of all the lawsuits, one of the things that's not being reported right now uh, a whole lot is that the Republican Party is engaged in this massive lawsuits at each state, especially in the swing states, that are challenging the validity of the state's rules for how the votes get counted, uh, you know, comparing signatures, how soon or how late they can be counted. So there's a chance, Jamal, that Donald and I, this is something I do feel confident in predicting. If it looks like Biden is going to win, you will not see a concession speech from Donald Trump anywhere near November 3rd. I, I feel like he, this is not someone psychologically who can offer a concession speech. It's related to your question of what if he doesn't leave? Yeah. Well, here, here is a reminder to uh, our viewers and listeners, and this is um, a testimony by the former Trump's attorney, uh, Michael Cohen, if you remember during the impeachment. Right. And this is a quote from him. And he said, I fear that if Trump loses the election in 2020, there will be there will never be a peaceful transition of power. This yeah. was basically roughly seven hours into his congressional testimony last March when he right. said where he gave that grave warning for the future. Some people paid attention to it, some people dismissed it, but now it resonates more than ever, uh, just so so I mean. I mean, some people discarded, uh, disregarded basically his, right. his warning, but it's basically now we have been hearing what he was saying from Trump himself, saying that, every that, time they ask him, would you concede? Oh, he starts dodging the question or saying, well, we'll see. We'll see about that. I mean, it's a yes or no answer. Will you respect the Constitution? Will you respect the transfer of power? So, so he's, he has been always dodging it. And here is the uh, interesting thing, just that uh, there is really no playbook for the scenario, right? The scenario, probably the closest we come to this territory and it didn't happen. Uh, people were worried about Richard Nixon and right. he eventually conceded to JFK in, the, in 1960. Uh, and he kind of went through a similar accusations of that the um, uh, that the vote there was vote rigging by the Democrats, and then of course uh, you and I uh, witnessed uh, uh, what happened with Vice President Al Gore. Eventually, he accepted the Supreme Court's ruling that George 
Bush had that 20, that had won the 2000 presidential election, even though there were significant questions about the integrity of the That's results right. of in Florida. Yet uh, he con uh, he conceded. And and the other point I want to make is um, I tried to kind of read around in the Constitution. I'm not a Constitution attorney. I'm a journalist. I like to read. The U.S. Constitution makes no mention of how a president should be removed if they lose an election and refuses to hand over power to the opponent. I was trying to see, is there a mechanism about that? What do you do? So there is no, there is no mechanism. So well, it's I've, kind of like... I've, I've done a little reading on that too, Jamal, and there's been some interesting discussion um, it may come down to a Supreme Court kind of ruling on this, too, because here's the scenario that I think could very well happen. Irrespective of a landslide, or even if it's close, not close, it doesn't matter, you're not going to hear a concession speech from Donald Trump. They're going to drag it out in the courts as much as they can during that time period from November 3rd to January 20th. Uh, Trump will will lay waste to the U.S. government, its institutions, packing the courts. He's going to do all sorts of destructive things. And I really firmly believe that he is not going to concede. And in that time period, in those couple of months after you know November, December, and into January, we're going to see a lot of chaos. The other thing that so, 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 so this is the question. Then what happens? I mean, there is well, what no happens, clause in the here's, Constitution. Here's what happens. Do you send, yeah, here's mean, what happens. Do you send the FBI to remove him? Do you send the Navy SEALs? Yeah. Do you send uh, whatever law enforcement the, uh, yeah. to get him out of the White House? Maybe still, I mean, remember, after he loses, he remains president until uh, January 20th of 2021. Well, what if well, he calls to, for the arrest of his uh, opponent? Right. Biden so it, and says that he, he cheated or he violated the law. Those those are all scenarios, Jamal. So the only thing that we can hold on to constitutionally is that if Joe Biden, if he wins, and there's no guarantee that he's going to win, trust me, um, if Joe Biden wins and he is sworn in on January 20th, then all the options made available to a sitting president could be made available to Joe Biden to physically remove Donald Trump from the White House. It's really going to be that period of time from November 3rd to January 20th, where I think, you know, we're going to see some really, this is going to be a painful time for this country, Jamal, because we're going to be in the worst throes of a pandemic. It's out of control. People are going to be dying. The healthcare system is going to be pushed to extreme limits. And during that time period, Donald Trump's ability to kind of unravel all of the structures in place for the state, the federal government, could, you know, he could attempt to unravel them the way he's been unraveling, unraveling them for the last four years. I fear that that period of time from November 3rd to January 20th is also going to be a time when white supremacist Jamal, who the FBI and the national security, uh, uh, you know, advisors to Donald Trump all are saying are preparing for life after Donald Trump. And these are people who are armed. These are people who don't believe in the federal government. These are people who believe in, you know, this, you know, they haven't gotten over the Civil War. And, you know, they are taking up arms right now, Jamal. It's the same. Well, that's of, what the director of the FBI uh, right. uh, has recently said, that this is the biggest threat in the United States. They are no longer about, uh, talking about external acts of terrorism. They are talking about white supremacy and people who, uh, groups. And they're uh, going to get activated, Jamal. They're going to get activated if it looks like Joe Biden won the election. Those white supremacy groups... You know, uh, the Proud Boys and all of these, the the Patriots, things like that. They're going to get activated. They're fully armed. They they had a plan to kidnap, you know, uh, Governor Whitmer of, uh, of uh, Michigan. They wanted to kidnap the governor of North Carolina. I mean, these are people who are ready to sow 
chaos in the streets uh, after November 3rd. And I think, you know, people are going to think that you and I are alarmists and things like that. But what I say to people, look at Donald Trump's behaviors. Look at what he has done in the last four years. His utter disregard for human life during the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. He doesn't care. And this is not someone who's going to relinquish power. His intention is to create chaos after November 3rd. And so, so I would say this is a good segue to the predictions, Jess. Because uh, okay. from what I'm sensing, what I'm sensing uh, from your tone, that regardless whether Donald Trump wins or loses, it's gonna, it's not gonna leave. But your prediction, let's say, you know, we are talking now, and we're gonna be talking. By the way, by next Thursday, it would have been two days or forty-eight hours. I'll predict we won't know. Uh, I, will, okay. I will predict that there won't be a concession speech. Yeah, but uh, if about fifty to sixty million Americans have voted, I think the number no seventy-one now, million Jamal seventy-one. So it's been ri- rising. So it sounds like by. November 3rd, even before November 3rd, we might reach 90 million. Yeah. I mean, this is just a guess. And and so by November 3rd, from some analyst, I, I, I read that um, just by midday, we would have had about 80% of registered voters. Yeah, that's true. So why wouldn't we know? I mean, Here, you and I and the rest of the nation. But here's why, Jamal. Remember, no, the November 3rd when Donald Trump got elected, right. we knew by midnight, California time, when I went about 12.30, 1 o'clock to sleep, I pretty much knew that he won the elections. But, but Jamal, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Here's, here's, the, here's why it doesn't matter. And this is why we have to keep reminding our viewers and our listeners the general election doesn't matter for the presidency. What matters is the uh, is the electoral college. Yeah, the, but we knew we knew. I mean, but this, this is what I'm trying to tell. We knew that he he surpassed the 270 required and number. I'm, and what know, I'm trying to number. why I'm I'm being very skeptical about this is because, and what people don't really understand is that he can win by 10 million. Uh, uh, you know, Biden can win by 10 million votes and Donald Trump still has a path to victory through the Electoral College. It may came, come down to Pennsylvania. It may come down to Florida. You know, it. he still, and this is why I am very nervous and I'm very concerned and I don't... And par- so what I'm, you're I'm, saying, so what you're saying as of now that you feel that Donald Trump still has a path to victory... 100%. Through the electoral, you know, like don't get surprised. Don't be surprised. I, if, I think if, the polls if, are. If he, I think he's going to get reelected. I I don't believe the polls, Jamal. I think the polls are overestimating. You know what Democrats uh, are are seeing. Number one, and number two, if you look carefully at the electoral college map, it's only going to come down to three states. It really is. Okay. No, no. Yeah, I mean we've seen we've seen this uh, also before. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate, and since we are in predictions, I'm going to have to roll the dice on you, Jess. <laughs> and I'm going to say, I think it's going to be a sweep to Biden. I think people, I think Biden is going to sweep, and I'm not only basing it on the polls and people talking, but there might be some surprises, like Texas might turn blue for right. the very first time in a very very long time. If this happens, if this happens, which is which is which is a high probability, Jess. Yeah. Then Trump would be crushed, right? And and with that losing Florida and or Michigan, his finish is a done deal. So so on the high side, Biden can win the the electoral uh, college by like 300 uh, points, 290 plus, okay? Yeah. So so I see this scenario, and what I see, even though Trump doesn't want to leave, and then I see if it is a crushing victory, a total sweep, that the, the GOP, represented by 
their top senators and congressmen and congresswomen will have to go to the White House and have a talk with him <laughs> because Probably. because the because the party itself is at stake. The entire I mean, and, and by the way, with this, I think they are going to get crushed. I think it's a it's a lose lose situation. Right. With Donald Trump getting defeated, they're going to lose seats both at in in Congress and and the Senate. Okay, and 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 for and and probably you're going to see uh, the Democrats controlling, uh, you know, the presidency. I mean, the White House, Senate, the House, and uh, the only thing that they won't control really is the Supreme Court, right? Because that's how the GOP GOP played. And with that in mind. This is the only way that Donald Trump will concede because uh, he he was blown out of the water. Yeah, and, I, and he I'm would be as, forced. I'm not as optimistic as you, Jamal. So I, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking my gamble on this this okay. optimistic gamble, <laughs> <laughs> and we can we can cash in our chips by next Thursday. It's either you win or I win, Jess. So here's the thing, Jamal. I in. There's a big part of me that thinks the same way, that at some point, I believe that the citizens of this country believe that Donald Trump and his boot lickers, the Republican senators, Mitch McConnell and his crew, and the congressman, um, you know, the minority leader, and, you know, are, are going to be sent packing because at some point... There has to be accountability for the devastation brought by the Republican Party and their willingness to collude with this destructive element uh, called Donald Trump. And there's that part of me that really believes that, that, you know, that our experiment in democracy uh, will prevail on Tuesday and that, you know, Donald Trump, the senators, you know, McConnell and his ilk, Lindsey Graham, will be held accountable because I of... I think the, Lindsey Graham is going to be outed also. Yeah, so they... He's going to be tossed out. And accountability, Jamal, is being tossed out. That's how they're going to be held accountable. So I, if you're going to force me to give a prediction, there's that part of me that says, yes, there's going to be a clean sweep. Biden-Harris win. They take the Senate. They take the House. And then we go through our healing process in this country by doing what we're going to do, trying to undo the four years. Well, which- here is, I mean, I mean, here is what I look at it. And I mean, people say uh, Americans vote, uh, you know, from their wallets or their pockets. I, I don't believe this as much. It's true. The economy plays a major role. Right. And the economy is not doing great. And the, even the stock market has not, he's been waiting, he's been banking on the stock market, and we saw what happened yesterday. Right. And it's, very, it's, it's still on a very shaky ground because he always brags about, uh, uh, look at the, your 401ks, and if Biden gets elected, you're going to lose your 401ks. I don't think that's playing too well for him. But here, and this is something you're more of an expert than me on this topic, Jess, we have 8.8 million confirmed coronavirus cases and more than 227,000 deaths. This is according to this morning I looked at John Hopkins University data. Right. I mean, I just can't fathom the idea that people will, vo- will vote or re-elect a president who caused the death of 227,000 Americans. I mean, this is to me where I think I think where it's going to come to play when reality sinks in. And, and aside from his whatever, 30, 40 percent diehard people who want to go without masks and think. And by the way, you know, like you saw uh, Dr. Uh, Fauci has been mocking Dr. Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert. And, um, and I want you to talk about this soon. Uh, he's been warening about the direction. Yeah, we'll uh, get to that in a second. Happening. Here, here's but, the, but here's with the this, problem, what I'm Jamal. Saying, here's the problem, because you're right. But here's the problem. 
Republicans don't care about these people dying as much as they care about the Supreme Court. Well, to hell with them then. Yeah, I no, mean, I'm, I'm serious. Listen, they lost the House in 2018 and were willing to sacrifice the House in 2018 to get a Supreme Court nominee, uh, which they got in Brett Kavanaugh. Um, they're willing to lose the Senate, Jamal, and give up control of the Senate to get Amy Coney Barrett uh, confirmed. They don't care about the coronavirus. They care about the Supreme Court. This has been their strategy for the last 30, 40 years, and it's coming to fruition now, their dream, because when you control the Supreme Court and the judiciary and the appellate judges and everything afterwards, and you have the AG in power, you can have these sweeping social issues uh, change dramatically by a minority of the population. They don't care about COVID. What they care about are judges and the Supreme Court. This is why I come back to the this issue. There has to be accountability. If Joe Biden wins, there has to be account, accountability for these individuals who've caused the death, literally caused the death, of hundreds of thousands of uh, yeah. American citizens. I mean, just 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 by the fact uh, when Trump holds these uh, super spreader events and uh, Jamal, the White House taunts, is a, and the, taunts the, people about wearing a mask, and we know that researchers said estimated that uh, 130,000 lives would have been. Uh, it's actually saved. more. Yeah, it's about 150,000, you know. and. And we could save another 150,000 lives, Jamal, if today everybody started wearing a mask. So, so I want to, I wanna, because we have few, uh, we have 10 minutes, about 10 minutes or so left, yeah. uh, Jess, and we'll, we'll see what happens with the elections. We'll be talking about this next Thursday. But it seems that what you've been talking about now, we're in the second wave. And uh, it's sweeping through it's not good. Europe. It's, it's sweeping through here. And I, I watched Dr. Fauci, and I'm, I'm, there's a quote from him. He says, if things do not change, if they continue on the course we're on, there's going to be a whole lot of pain in this country with regard to additional cases, hospital, hospitalizations, and deaths. This is the warning from Dr. Fauci. It's, it's, it, and what I'm going to say to you, Jamal, is going to sound pretty horrifying, but I don't think he said it strongly enough. I mean, we're, we're really talking that we're at the doorstep of not just a second wave, but a mass explosion of infections in this country for 40, possibly 45 of the states out of the 50 states in this country that are in the midst of a mass expansion of positivity cases. And we know that there's a relationship between positive cases and uh, death and illness and hospitalization. So we're starting it right now, Jamal. And the flu has started. We know that already, the flu has started. Temperatures have are changing. We're in the fall now, so people are gonna be indoors more. In the next two weeks, Jamal, we're gonna be seeing um, the catastrophic, failure and impact of failed leadership by the Trump administration, U.S. senators, U.S. congressmen and women. And you're, you're going to see Fauci saying there's going to be a lot of pain. Let, let's be real about it. You're going to see people losing their lives. You're going to see people's families falling apart. You're going to see businesses shutting down and never coming back. You're going to see chronic illnesses. We're now finding out with the coronavirus, Jamal, that 63% of the people who get hospitalized and released from being infected with the COVID-19 have long-lasting heart damage to some extent. So um, I, I appreciate Dr. Fauci, you know, saying those strong words, but I actually don't think they're strong enough. Y you know, we need a mandatory mask uh, order. Every person who leaves their house, Jamal, needs to wear a mask. Everybody needs to be socially distant. And if we don't implement that immediately, we're not headed for pain. We're headed for catastrophe. And this is why those two months, Jamal, between, going back to the election, between November 3rd and January 20th, 
you know what Trump's going to say, even if he loses the election, we're rounding the corner. We're rounding he the turn. He's, he's saying that already. We're so let me, rounding so, the corner. Yeah, yeah. He, ta- he, he, he flaunts and said, look, I'm here. Uh, I've had corona. It's nothing. Nothing happened to me. He, I've, I watched him just like two days ago. Right. Every, every place he goes to, he says this. And, and we are averaging now more than 74,000 new daily coronavirus cases. Something kind of struck me. I look at the graph just uh, about the Spanish flu. Uh, and the Spanish flu, they show you the second wave. Was and worse. you see that big bump. It's three times right. the, the, the size of the first wave. That's where we're headed, Jamal. So, so, with, so what you're saying... That's where we're headed. If we have 227,000 deaths today... We could have another three quarter of a million if it's three times two hundred twenty seven thousand. We we will have a million uh, Americans uh, who would have died if it's not handled properly. Yeah, and this is where the intersection of politics and medicine is really ugly, Jamal, because our elections are in the fall and in the winter, which are the of of the greatest you know potential for coronavirus. Uh, exposure and infection. And as I said, whether or not Trump loses or wins, he's going to be controlling the levers of power from November 3rd to January 20th. He's not going to be wearing a mask. He's not going to tell people to wear a mask. Things are going to be chaotic. You're going to have 30 to 45% of the population not believing in masks. The other thing is, even if we get a vaccine, Jamal, we're not going to have enough vaccine to go around to make a big difference. Maybe till a year from now, the fall of... Well, 20- Doctor, yeah, Dr. Fauci said nothing will happen even if you get a vaccine till the end of 2021. Maybe if you're lucky. Even, if maybe you're lucky. Maybe the beginning of 2022. Yeah. So you have an entire year, basically... Uh, you know, waiting for the vaccine if we get if yeah. we get the vaccine, and I think this is what Trump is kind of banking on. He keeps saying we're rounding the corner. We're not. He's waiting like uh, just like with uh, this miracle drug to kind of uh, be available, like, and so he can say, "Look, uh, we found a cure." There's no cure, Jamal. E- there's no cure, and there will not be a cure. And as I said, and this is what Fauci said. Even if we get a vaccine, it for it to have an impact to really help in terms of the large population in the United States, you know, we're not going to even be able to access it, especially if it's a dual, you need a dual vaccine, you need a vaccine and then a booster, you know, a month later, it nothing is going to change or happen for a year, minimum, Jamal. Well, so that's the, why, I, that's why, Jess, this is what I find uh, what I'm hopeful uh, about the elections. Not that I'm crazy about Biden. We, you know, you know how I feel about Joe Biden. But it's like we are between a rock and a hard place. But I'm hopeful not to see Donald Trump in the White House for four more years, because just the fact, the mere fact that people are realizing this is a choice between life and death, and and seeing these figures, and I'm I'm not counting on his base of 30%. I'm talking about those who sat at home during the last elections because they weren't motiv- motivated by Hillary Clinton, didn't go out to vote. Right. And that's why the lines, that's kind of what, when you're seeing like by the day of the, uh, by November 3rd, uh, 80 million people would have voted already. And that's, that's basically where the hope lies what motivates these people? Because they're seeing their friends, their loved ones dying or suffering because of the COVID. Yeah. And they're seeing a president and sure. an administration uh, that, that, who, who has done nothing about it, but basically well, provide them with, with uh, lies. Kool-Aid and lies and telling them, don't worry, don't worry. And what I mean, I mean, facts are facts. So, so Jamal, just three things really quick. In the middle of a pandemic, when so many people are getting sick and our healthcare system is about to collapse, which it is in many states, the Trump administration is in court right now trying to destroy the Affordable Care Act, which would Bro. put a stop 
to protections for pre-existing conditions. So that's number one. Number two is that it's great to see people voting, but I want to see people voting in the swing states. I mean, the fact that people are lining up in states that are already fully embracing, you know, uh, are going to vote for Biden and Harris anyways is not a big deal. I want to see those lines in Georgia where, where two Senate seats are possible to take over. I want to see it in Texas. I want to see it in Arizona. I want to see it in Florida. If those lines are big in these other states, that's where we see the Electoral College, um, uh, the Electoral College impact of, of, of the larger lines. And then the last thing about the, the virus, Jamal, we're, we're, we only talk about the deaths and these deaths are absolutely tragic. But what people aren't talking about are going to be the long-term health consequences of chronic illness. You know, it's called the long haulers. These are people who got infected, some of whom went to the hospital, some did not, but they've had symptoms of COVID infection that have kept them disabled for six months or longer. Even with treatment, there's so much we don't know about COVID-19 and how it affects people. And I, I talked about this many shows ago, but because it's a it's an RNA virus, it has the possibility of mutating. We don't know how long the antibodies last, even with an infection, uh, even with a vaccine or an infection. And so people are going to have these health problems potentially for the rest of their lives. So my question back to you and my question to the listeners is when you're thinking about voting, you know, think about accountability. It's accountability from the top, from Donald Trump, to all the senators that colluded with it, to all the Congress people that colluded with him, and its impact across the entire country. You know, Jamal, even if Donald Trump loses, we're not going to be able to crawl out of this hole that he's created for us for in four years. No, no, I mean, I see, of course, even a more horrific scenario. This was the end of uh, George W. Bush when he basically killed the economy and it right. took uh, Barack Obama over two years to get things back, uh, you know, by a lot of money pouring into the banking industry and whatever right. to get the economy uh, wheels uh, rolling again. And I see here, uh, where, uh, you know, if there is a Biden administration, they're going to spend the next two years dealing with the coronavirus uh, because, Absolutely. Uh, how, because of uh, how Donald Trump and his cabal dealt with it and, and were in denial. Well, we have a lot that we're going to talk about next Thursday, Jamal. That's lot, right. Lots yes. to talk about. And uh, stay tuned because we also will have an update from Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, on Thursday. And hopefully we'll know the results. And hopefully hopefully I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are right, I'm not going to be surprised because I'm preparing myself. Prepare yourself. Psychologically Prepare speaking. Yourself. Yeah, we all have uh, to. For uh, getting stuck with this administration. But hopefully, you know, it's not going to happen. So you've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com, to download uh, all of our podcasts. And we will talk to you next week. See you next week. Go out and vote. We'll see you next week. <laughs>